0: During 2018, I set a goal to connect with powerful leaders who have found how to lead themselves and create their own version of success. Through these connections, I've listened to countless stories about how these people grow and what drives them when there are no guarantees. I found myself most inspired by the people who are able to defy the odds and let go of judgment and criticism that most people surrender to. Storytelling is one of the most powerful ways to learn and grow. Our stories shape us into who we are, as well as teach others a new perspective and a new possibility. This podcast is intended to inspire those who are seeking their own way and are creating their own path of success. It takes courage to stand up and define your own way. I'm here to share the voices of those that remind me what it looks like to powerfully lead yourself. My name is Rachel Mathia, an expat living in London, working in leadership and business development. I'm grateful to share one of the ways in which I learn how to develop myself through the leaders that have found their own way. Welcome to How We Lead. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Mira Manik. Mira is an author of two books focusing on healthy eating and Ayurvedic rituals for happiness. She also works as a food consultant with various brands to bring her delicious recipes to events and retreats. I first met Mira on one of these retreats and immediately fell in love with her chai by Mira Mix. If any of you listeners have not tried it, please do. It is comfort in a cup. Mira has a passion for healthy cooking and has combined her love of traditional Indian cuisine into a successful career. Today, Mira shares insight into her path and how she continues to evolve herself as well as her business. Mira, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to to join me today in this conversation. I have always been... um well, for context, I think people should know I first met you at a yoga retreat and you're you catered the entire thing. And that's how I got to know you and what you do. And um, it was absolutely amazing. So just thank you for taking the time today to be here and um, sharing your your gift with the world. This is this is great.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, it was wonderful meeting you on that retreat. And um, I do miss those retreats now that we're not able to do any of them.
0: Yeah, agreed. I completely agree. Um, So just for, for everyone to hear a bit about you and what you do, will you share what you're up to right now with your work?
1: Absolutely. So I have a cafe, I had a cafe in Kingley court in Soho inside try yoga, which is London's leading yoga studio until the end of, well, the beginning of lockdown. And when lockdown started, um, you know, I still thought I'd still have the cafe afterwards, but we closed down in the middle of like at the end of lockdown. So in July, I closed down and decided that that's not the way um it's not going to work. It's not the right time for a cafe in central London. And actually, I went online with my business. So I took my chai Uh, blends online and started selling them online and it's gone really well so I'm focusing on getting the scaling so trying to scale the business now and um, I'm in the process of figuring all that out and in the meantime still taking online orders creating new blends I had a sort of special gingerbread chai blend over Christmas time which just ended and um and and also seeing what my audience is because it seems to have really grown and also has become international which is so heartwarming and amazing to see um and also gives me the sort of confidence to go ahead and and think about scaling um so i really think in a way closing my cafe was a blessing in disguise and while i loved running it and while i loved meeting people it was also uh slightly draining because you know a lot of energy goes into uh, being present at a cafe at your own space and in making sure that things tick over and that people who run it are kind of, you know, representing you in the best possible way Um, and and while I learned a lot I'm quite thankful to have the time now to focus on me and that's exactly what I've done this past year you know I've actually done taken up running which I never used to do I've done been working out at home I have my own weights and so I've been using them I've been doing all those things at in my book my second book Prashna which is another thing that I do so I've written two books One is called Saffron Soul, the other one's called Prajna Ayurvedic Rituals for Happiness. The first is a cookbook, um, and the second, it does have recipes, but it's more about rituals to allow you to live a happier and a more sort of grounded life, but at the same time, take you back, bring you back to life if you've been through something, which is exactly how my book came about. And so I've had a chance to really practice a lot of those things, Say, for example, breathwork, which I'm now trained in, EFT, the emotional freedom technique, which I'm also training in. So things that I did, but I'm doing them in a much more um, in a much more researched and I guess qualifying in those very things that I spoke about and I practice. But doing them, giving more time to it, basically, and waking up the hour early so that I can actually practice those things and go for walks and connect with nature. And so I feel like in a way that this past year has allowed me A chance and time to reconnect with everything that I've written about in my book.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's amazing, right? To see that when something closes, when one door closes, another one opens. It just sounds like there's been a lot of other opportunities that have come from that decision of your of your cafe closing.
1: Absolutely, and um, also learning. I think at the beginning of last year. I didn't so much write it down, but I said in my mind that I want to learn something else this year. I want to actually do something. I wasn't sure what it was. And I have over lockdown become an integrated health practitioner, US based qualification, and I've become a breathwork practitioner and things that I, you know, you endlessly learn. And there is no sort of uh, age at which you stop learning. And that's exactly what I feel like I put into practice this year. Starting back at the beginning, because did your cookbooks came before the cafe? Is that correct? Yes, yes. The The first cookbook came before the cafe. My second book, actually, I wrote while I launched the cafe.
0: What sparked all of this? Why do
1: you do what you do? Great question. So I guess... I've always been interested in wellness health and thought I was being healthy all these years when I was traveling. I was a travel journalist and I was married out in Dubai. I lived in Dubai, I lived in Africa, and I traveled a lot as a travel journalist. And I thought, you know, searching for the next best healthy cafe was my sort of way of being healthy and going to the odd Ayurvedic resort in India to say, for example, do a detox, or what I used to call a detox, or go to a a naturopathic retreat. Um, I didn't realize that I wasn't actually living those very things that I learned of those retreats. I started thinking of Ayurveda as a destination when actually Ayurveda is a way of life. And I was brought up doing so many things that were Ayurvedic. I just sort of lost them along the way. And so I... My, I've always had a bit of an issue with my digestion I've had slow digestion and that's always been the sort of bane of my life I'm trying to lose weight trying to get thinner and I used to equate being thin with being healthy which is obviously we all know now quite the wrong um, way of looking at things but I was you know a culprit of all that sort of media um, uh Sorry, media telling us that actually we need to little eat little but often. That getting thin is how, this is how to get thin and all of that sort of, all of those things sort of played into my life and 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 made me think that this is what I wanted. And I was striving for all these things and actually instead skipping meals, having lots of um, snacks and developing a really bad relationship with food. One fine day when I was in India. Maybe just before I moved back to London, maybe when I was 29, I was just sitting on the street having a coffee thinking, why am I bringing all these snacks to India? Like I would bring, you know, sweet and salt popcorn or baked crisps or licorice or dark chocolate. And I used to go to India very often then and I thought why have I got the wrong perception of Indian food and actually if I as an Indian who grew up eating really nutritious healthy home-cooked Indian food think that I can't get that in India then surely the whole world sort of has it wrong as well. So I that's where the idea of my first book came about although it's only four years later or three years later that it actually got published. Um, And And it was basically about reconnecting with the food that I grew up eating because I realized that actually wholesome Gujarati, which is where I come from, Gujarat region of India, wholesome Gujarati vegetarian Indian food is really, really nutritious and balanced and, and Ayurvedic in its own way. And it's only when you go to Indian restaurants, which is what many of our perceptions of Indian foods are defined by. That's when you kind of eat those very decadent dishes, which are maybe deep fried, have too much ghee or oil, have maybe some cream added to it. And that's how we define Indian food. But actually, you don't have to make it that complex at home. It can be very simple at home. Only a few spices, each of which really help with digestion and have a plethora of other benefits, can really be an easy way of cooking. So that's what I went about to do in my first book, and along the way, trying to improve my health as well, doing lots of yoga at the time, because I was kind of getting over a really harsh divorce, and I think yoga really brought me back to life, and going on lots of retreats, and I guess it was that sort of journey of coming back to life and finding my own self and my own happiness again, that's what led me to write my second book, which wasn't a cookbook, which was all about rituals for happiness, mm-hmm. but all kind of related to ayurveda as well so it's a package of so many different um so many different practices you can actually um include in your life
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, and take each one and just create your own playlist rather than having a set playlist if you know
0: this is what I love about this, the, your work. I think the, the part that I really appreciate is that it's you and your journey and what you have uh, like overcome and what you've learned about yourself. And now you're, you're giving that to the world. Mm. And what is it, what are you hoping to inspire within others by sharing these books and what it is that you're doing within your work?
1: I think I am, I'm sort of. At each point, the journey of me finding my own self and my own happiness, I feel like I've discovered a whole new way of healing. And I've also realized that bouncing back to happiness is not just an overnight thing. And there's so many ways to do it. And there's so many ways to overcome difficulties in life. And actually, if you find those tools, you can find your own springboard to life whenever something bad happens or whenever something that hasn't gone the way that you expected it to happens. Um, And also to realise, and this is something that people probably realise, but it's hard to really absorb this and believe it, is that pain and pleasure really do go hand in hand. And this is not the end of it. I will face something again, and I will need to look at those tools again and re-evaluate sort of things again, because you're not going to always be happy. Otherwise, there is no beauty to life. You need that sort of myriad. You need that sort of uh, black and white... Um, And colour in your life in order to, well, that's why we are on this on on Earth as human beings. And there's no sort of going back to just having a happy life because it's how you process things. And these toolbox, this toolbox that I sort of now call a toolbox of rituals, whatever I sort of did in order to make myself feel a bit happier, even just day by day, I wanted to share with the world, and that brings me actually to my third book, which I haven't spoken about yet, which I'm oh yeah, I'm starting to work on no, I'm not starting to work on I'm actually just finally finalized the proposal and we're sending it out to publishers, it. so it's a bit too early to say it's happening, but it sort of combines. Um, the first two books, but in a more nutrition oriented way. So while it's not fully, um, it's not about rituals, it will bring in food rituals, but it's about food and it's about simplicity because that's where, you know, the more I cook, the more I sort of go into my journey of wellness and health and well-being and food, I realize that all I really want is simplicity. And it just keeps taking me back to that. So my book is going to be focused on sort of simple food and simple cooking and um and understanding why that's important
0: oh my gosh I'm so excited that we get the sneak peek (laughs) to know this is happening this is so exciting
1: (laughs) I'm really excited I hope it I really I think it will happen um I I, you know I think I'm putting it out there now so I think it'll happen and I I I feel like it's got it's taken a a long time to for me to even get to a stage where I've got a proposal because that's for me, that's the hardest part because sometimes I think with the fluidity of my own ideas and my own creative headspace, sometimes um, takes a long time to distill the message and the actual proposal from all of the stuff that's going on in my head.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm I'm really inspired to hear this and hear where you're you're headed personally and what this is creating professionally. I want to go back a second because you were talking about. Um, the myriad of pain and pleasure. And I think it's, it's relevant right now, given the world that we're in and, and just something that people need to remember within life as well. Um, what advice would you give people who are navigating that, navigating those moments that are challenging um, and finding that balance of still bringing happiness into, into their life? What advice would you give people who are within that?
1: It's hard to know every single person who goes through it. When you're actually going through it, you can't see beyond. Well, at least I couldn't see beyond it. You know, I was—you're the center of that story, and it's hard to resurface. It's like you're in that water, and you know you're trying to sort of come up to gasp for air. But it's you—you know—you might come up for a second, but you'll go back down again. So it's hard to say that this is what you should do. But I think if there was one piece of advice and something I say over and over again to people, it is that. I it's important to take each day as each day and not think oh god how am I going to get through this year or how am I going Mm -hmm. to get through this month um and taking each day and just thinking okay what can I do today that will not break me down to tears or that will bring me even just five minutes of happiness or will just make me feel slightly uplifted and for me, intuitively, I just thought, okay, not even intuitively, I just thought, okay, well, I was living in Dubai at the time, it was between Dubai and London, and I just thought, okay, I'll go for a spinning class because that will obviously now I understand the reasons why running and exercise make you feel better because they release endorphins, all these exercises and any form of exercise releases endorphins. Um, which are the happy hormones so even if it only lasts for a few hours you'll get those happy hormones but at the time I just thought oh that'll make me feel better I'll do that or I'll go for a yoga class oh I need to sit in the sunshine Um, and I just want to meet a friend or maybe to speak to a friend so it was just those little things and it might have not meant that my entire day was amazing it might have still meant that I go to sleep feeling rotten or I'm you know but those little moments whether it was an hour here or there provided that sense of upliftment, upliftment. And going back to what I was saying about drowning and feeling that like you're in, immersed in water, coming up for more, it's almost like you're coming up for more gasps of air. And together, those gasps of air will hopefully, over time, create um, a string of happiness or, 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 or upliftment, and make you feel a little bit better of over the course of that week or month. So just think of each day and and insert rituals into your life that will make you feel a bit better, even if you feel like those things are forced. One of the things I speak about in my book in the morning section, actually, because I've divided the book up into morning, afternoon, evening. This is my second book, Prajna, um, is waking up and actually forcing yourself to smile. Um, even if you're not going through a bad time. In fact, some of these rituals, if you insert them into your life when you're actually just doing going about your normal day-to-day life and nothing's really wrong it those very rituals will help you survive the worst times with a little bit more ease and and that's exactly what these rituals are about and these rituals can be simple and that's what I meant I mean sorry that's what I was saying about the morning ritual of smiling even if you wake up and you feel like I don't really what's the point of smiling but actually think about the fact that um, the physiological can t- change the psychological. And by smiling, even if you're doing it in a forced way, it will have an impact on the psychology. You know, you will over time start feeling some impact of that smile and that will become a routine and a habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such great
0: advice. And it's all about the small steps, everything that you just said, the, the rituals. I love that, that it's it's these small practices every day that have a, a much bigger ripple effect than we we can normally not see. Yeah.
1: And, and I don't think it's about kind of kind of feeling like, Oh God, everyone's meditating around me. I need to meditate. I, I didn't use to meditate at all. And I think when you're going through the worst period in life, in, in fact, I think Ayurveda even says to not, to not, you don't focus on meditation then because that will take you inwards, which, which, which is not what you want at that time. Um, and so, you know, focus on things that bring you to that meditative state or, or that actually, um, you know, talking to somebody, going and walking, and listening to some music—something that uplifts you. Don't think about what you need to replicate um, in in podcasts that you're listening to, for example, or something that you're surrounded by. Just think about things that actually make you happy. It doesn't matter what those things are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're you're cr- incredibly courageous, and have
0: had made some bold decisions with how you choose to lead your life. How is it that you maintain that confidence? Um, to continue to make those decisions yeah. so you continue
1: to stay true to yourself? Sure, that's a great question. And I think it's really important to stay um, to stay true to your own truth and your own self. And I would say that over time, I've become a lot more carefree and in terms of not really worrying about what um, people on social media might say or think or, you know, there was a time when I cared. And I'm not saying... I, I entirely don't care. Um, I think that's a state. It's a great state to aspire to, to get to. Um, so I think it's it's important to not worry, not 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 care, but not worry about what someone might think of your post or what someone or people out there might think of what you're doing. Um, sometimes we focus on sort of one or two people in our lives that we think, oh God, what will that person think? And I'm I'm I'm. I'm only saying this because I've experienced it myself and I probably still do experience it. But the more you practice trying to shed those layers of judgment, the more it becomes a natural state of way of being. Um, And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that I've got to that stage, but I, I think more and more, I'm stepping into my own self and not worrying about what's out there. And by doing that, I'm also discovering more about myself. And I think that's the beauty of life. You sort of, you might know your own truth, but you evolve into it as well.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah. So well said. It, everyone has something unique to, to be shared and it, it can all coexist, you know, like somebody else could come along with a, a cookbook similar to yours and it could coexist because everyone's so unique. You have something to give and so does that person. But it is like you're to what you're saying, it's just staying true to who you are and, and remembering what makes you, you.
1: Yeah, and you just touched upon a really important point, which is not really feeling it's a sense of competition because there is space for everyone. Find your own niche, speak your own truth, But don't feel like you're stepping on someone else's toes or they're stepping on your toes. Mm
0: -hmm. So how do you continue? You shared about your your adventures when you were um, a journalist and how you were growing with some situations that you face within life. How do you continue to learn and
1: develop yourself now? So that goes back to, I guess, this past year, which has been more more learning than I've ever sort of um, immersed myself in for many, many years since university, I reckon. And having had this year to sort of sit down and um, do things that I've not, that I've been meaning to do, but not really got down to, I've, studied and become, like I said, an integrated health practitioner. I did the breath work and I think that has also inspired me to well not inspired me, but it was part of the sort of course, but also made me um have breath work as my daily practice. You know, there were times when I wouldn't do that every single day, but now at some point in the day, breath work will be a part of my ritualistic practices. Um and, and I don't feel right if I haven't done them. Um and and walking, I, I feel like absorbing information Um, in podcasts while I walk is something that I've done a lot of in the past year and I really feel that having freed up all that headspace you know not having a cafe to run maybe not I'm not even writing a book yet all that headspace has gone into soaking up information and learning and so I feel like there's endless capacity to grow and learn and realizing that actually everything is online now is such a gift to all of us And it's also never too late. You know, my grandfather, who was 95, passed away last week. It was quite a hard, you know, week of prayers, but also coming to terms with it, but also celebrating an incredible life. And I think one thing I took away from, or I take away from his life, there's many things, but one thing I do take away is that there really is no. it's, and it's never too late to learn. You know, he was constantly learning. If the, He was so interested and fascinated by um, how plumbing and how, you know, things work in the house that if a plumber came or if the gardener came, he'd want to sit with them and learn from them how they're doing something. And that process in itself just shows you, well, act, actually, we can all learn from that. You know, we can all continue to ha- have life or look at life as a lifelong education
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry to hear about your grandfather and also appreciate just that that sentiment right there. It, it just goes to show that you're right. You never can stop learning. And there's on- opportunity constantly around us as long as we grasp it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing it's taught me as in my grandfather, looking at my grandfather's life, even then and more so now, because I look back at it and think, how amazing to, to have lived to 95 with such good health. You know, he didn't die um, of anything other than old age and it was just coming to the end of his life. You know, he didn't take any painkillers in the last few days. He wasn't in pain. He was walking until the final week. And just to look at that and the Ayurvedic way in which he lived just inspires me to develop on my journey of wellness and health and trying to share that with the world even more.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you you so much for this. And um, I can't wait to hear more around what's ahead. Thank you for sharing what's next in terms of the book um, and how you're going to continue to inspire your community that you built. I I can't wait to see it. Um, To round this out, will you remind everyone who you are and what your current development is?
1: I am Mira Manik. I am an author and uh, founder of a chai brand called Chai by Mira. And my current development is health, wellness, and breath work. And I'm also learning emotional freedom freedom technique, which is called tapping. Thank you so much for your time, Mira. This has been great. Rachel, so wonderful being on your podcast. And I can't wait to meet after lockdown.
0: Thank you for joining today's episode of How We Lead. You can subscribe to this podcast or visit rachelmathia.com to hear the latest episodes. Or even better, follow me at rachel.mathia on Instagram to hear the latest updates on all of my work.